So we're on lesson 10 of our fall quarter. This is, the title of the lesson is Jesus Predicts Near and Distant Events. We're going to be covering uh, the Olivet Discourse. And the uh, scripture is Mark chapter 13. So Lord, we do thank you for, we thank you for your word, which tells us the end from the beginning. So we can know, at least in broad outline, the things that are coming in the future, so we can be ready for them. So we pray that you would help us to understand this Olivet Discourse as we look at it in Mark's version. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so the first section is the disciples ask Jesus questions. How would you like to ask Jesus a question? You probably have a pretty good answer. So that is chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, and I can start off reading that. Chapter 13, verse 1. As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. So what do we think of this? Verse 1, the second temple had been beautified by Herod the Great and was very magnificent. So renovation took place from before Jesus' birth to about A.D. 64. So the, all the way through Jesus' life and about almost 30 years after Jesus' life, the temple was being renovated. And then in AD 70, AD 70, it was destroyed. <laughs> so they got it all pretty, and then it was torn down. And the Jews were very proud of their temple. So one of the disciples, doesn't tell us who, said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus pops, a, pops their balloon, right? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. So when, what time does that refer to? Is that in the past from us or is that in the future from us? Is the temple standing now? So that happened back in A.D. 70. A.D. 70. Yeah. When the Romans came. The Romans came, and uh, this this is a you know this is a prophecy of forty years later, 
And what happened was they set the temple on fire and the gold in the temple melted. And so the soldiers went crazy, tearing the thing apart, looking for the gold that had run down between the stones. And so Jesus' prophecy literally came to pass, not one stone will be left upon another, which will not be torn down because the soldiers were looking for gold. So they tore it apart brick by brick. So then later they're out of the city toward the east in the Mount of Olives and it tells us what four disciples are with him, Peter and Andrew, those two brothers and James and John, those two brothers, and they were asking him about this. They want to know a couple of things. In verse 4, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? So two questions, when and what sign can we see to know that this is going to happen? And what they're speaking of is now Daniel's 70th week. Okay, you know Daniel's 70th week prophecy. This is before the end of the 69th week because Jesus is still alive. The end of this, which is Daniel 9.26, tells us that the Messiah would be cut off. And so they're asking about when will Daniel's 70th week be. And that is in the future from us. Daniel's 70th week has yet to pass because in between the Lord inserted a period of time, which has turned out to be the longest period of time in history, and that is the church age. It's an intercalation, that's what Lewis Berry Chafer, Chafer called it, between Daniel's 69th week and Daniel's 70th week. started with a miracle at the day of Pentecost. It will end with a miracle at the rapture of the church. And then... The Lord will turn back to the Daniel's prophecy to start the 70th week again. So that's important to realize because the Olivet Discourse is not about the church. And um, you get yourself confused if you try to make it a deal with the church. So look at verse 5. And Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. So deception will be prevalent in that time. And then it says, now he said, we, we think of a single Antichrist, don't we? Jesus here says, many will come in my name, saying, I am he and will, me, will mislead many. And I'm not certain what that refers to. You know, in 1 John, uh, John says that many Antichrists have come. And he relates those to anybody that teaches that Jesus has not come in the flesh. Those are, he says, are antichrists. The Gnostics, you know, at that time, and, and the cults today, yes. You know, I, it makes me wonder about the ten kings that are going to rule in the future over the earth, over the ten regions. Um. Maybe they are all saying, or they're vying for saying, I am he, you know. 
and this is just a speculation on my part, I don't know about that. But one will become dominant, and that is in Daniel 7, verse 24. Going back to verse 23, thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. So it will be a worldwide tyranny. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise. You know, I wonder if they will be vying for saying, I am he. And another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. So one will rise up later and conquer three. And then the rest will give him their power, and that will be the final Antichrist. But this relates to the first seal of Revelation 6. The Olivet Discourse and... Um, the first part of Revelation parallel each other. So Revelation 6, 1 and 2 says, Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, As with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. He went out conquering and to conquer. And we see from Daniel that he did conquer three of the kings. From Revelation, it sounds like he doesn't do it by warlike means, really. But he does it by negotiation. So anyway, in verse 7 then, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. These things must take place, but that is not yet the end. That would correlate with the second seal, judgment. Revelation 6.3, when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come, and another red horse went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. It also mentions famines, earthquakes. There will also be famines. So the famines are the third seal judgment, this is Revelation 6, verse 5. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. So that is showing there's going to be a two-tiered society. The masses will be in poverty and there'll be a ruling class that will be very wealthy over, over them. So that's something to look forward to. And then there will, there will be earthquakes. And the earthquake is a, the sixth seal judgment, and there was a great earthquake at that time. Revelation 6, verse 12, I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. The stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. 
The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up. Every mountain and island removed out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free men hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand. So this earthquake, which is huge, they finally figure out that God is doing this. So they go through almost all the seals before they realize, the unbelievers, that it's God who's doing this. And when they realize it, they're afraid. And they would rather be crushed by rocks than face God. <laughs> so, so that is the beginning of that. Um, it's the first part of the seventh, 70th week of Daniel. Any other questions about that? So section B, Jesus warns of dangers ahead. Does somebody want to read verses 9 through 13? Yeah, Mark 9, verses 9 through 13. I'm, I'm sorry, Mark 13. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so they're, we're taking it in little tiny chunks here. Yeah, so verse 9, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts. You will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. So, again, remember the time this is. This is in the uh, future, the tribulation. And so, now this did happen to these disciples in the church age, okay? And in early Acts, we see that the disciples were arrested and they were told to stop preaching about Jesus and they were flogged. <laughs> so that did happen. So there was a near fulfillment, but the ultimate fulfillment will be in the tribulation. And, uh, you know, he will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them, and not only will they be flogged, but they, you know, many people will be killed in the tribulation. That's the fifth seal judgment. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. So they were evangelizing. And... Uh, and they were proclaiming God's word. And so they were killed for it. It says, And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So they're praying. And these are disembodied souls. It says, I saw underneath the altar the souls. So not their bodies, their souls are there. And they're praying for judgment on those who were, had uh, killed them. And the Lord will do it, but he wants them to wait. 
It says there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer. So when you're dead in the Lord, you're resting. You're not uncomfortable. Until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. So the Lord will deal with them when they're all complete. And also, in the tribulation period, there will be a group of Jews. Remember? Remember how many Jews? 144,000 Jews. Yes. That's Revelation 7, verse 4. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And then they go through the list of tribes, 12,000 from each. And those are protected. Those ones will not be killed. And they are sealed and they are protected from execution by God during the tribulation period. So, and what is sad is look at verse, uh, well, first in verse 10 of Mark uh, 13, the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. So this is the gospel of the kingdom again. You know, right now in the church age, we preach the gospel of personal, eternal salvation. That is what we preach, Um, you know. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You'll be saved from what? You'll be saved from hell. And uh, that that is the gospel that the church preaches. It is different from the gospel of the kingdom, which Jesus first preached when he first came. And that was that the king had come, this messianic kingdom of utopia, which the Old Testament prophets proclaimed, was coming if you accepted the king. That is what will be preached in the tribulation period, that the Messiah is coming. His name is Jesus. He's the one that you denied 2,000 years ago. And if you accept him, that kingdom will come. That is the gospel that must be preached to all the nations. That is what these uh, 144,000 evangelists will preach. You know, and included in that is eternal salvation for the individual. So it's a bigger it's a bigger gospel than the gospel that the church preaches because it includes not only personal salvation but it includes worldwide renovation and uh, just a wonderful utopian existence so in verse 11, when they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. So that's comforting, isn't it? You don't have to come up with what to say under those difficult circumstances. Has anyone been put on the spot about the gospel? It reminds me of when they... I went to uh, the Texas Medical Board, (laughs) and they asked me what was going on, you know, because they sent me to a psychiatrist and all sorts of stuff. And, well, I said, well, I evangelized my boss. (laughs) And I quoted John 14, 6. 
you know. And it freaked him out. But I thought that was the Holy Spirit doing that. So, but verse 12 is kind of sad. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. Why do you think they'll do that? Yeah, why will your family members betray you? Yeah, sin. That's what went on in uh, the in communist countries. People would rat on their family members. Yeah, because they people get brainwashed. Remember, deception will be very great, and that happened in uh, Soviet Union. In China, you know. Yeah, so that that's what, how it will be during that time. And if you believe in Jesus, they'll think, oh, no, you're a terrorist. You're a domestic terrorist, you know. It's going to be a, at a fever pitch at that time. And so even your family members will betray you. And, verse 13, you'll be hated by all because of my name, because sat satanic deception, which is pretty prevalent right now, is going to be at a fever pitch during that time. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Okay, now this word saved, what is that in reference to? How many, how many different things can you be saved from, huh? All of them, yeah. This is not eternal salvation here. This is physical salvation. You'll be saved from death. You'll be saved from physical death. You know, basically, if you endure to the end of the tribulation period, some will, and you believe in Jesus, you'll be one of those who enter into the millennial kingdom in a natural body. Okay, there will be, be people who do that. And they're the ones who will repopulate the earth after the tribulation. Um, there will also be us who will be in resurrection bodies. So we will not have spouses, you know, because Jesus said in the resurrection, you know, you're like the angels in heaven. They, they don't marry, and we won't marry either. We, there's no reproduction at that time. But those who enter in natural bodies will get married and have children. But if you endure to the end of the tribulation period and you believe in Jesus, you will enter in and be saved. Now, there will be those who do not believe in Jesus also and last to the end of the tribulation period. Do you remember what happens to those? They don't believe in Jesus. There's a judgment, right? There are judgments. There are judgments for living people, one for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. The unbelievers are executed by Jesus. So if you go through the whole tribulation period and you never believe in Jesus, you can look forward to being ex executed by him. <laughs> And you'll be cast into Hades to wait the judgment of the great white throne at the end of the 
millennium where you're cast into the lake of fire. So if you don't believe in Jesus and the rapture comes, you want to believe in him. You might die, but you won't go to hell. So it's, for, it's all very encouraging stuff. <laughs> well, at least the, Jesus tells us the straight stuff. Okay, so section C is the fall of Jerusalem. And that is verses 14 through 23. So I can read that one. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. So this is, and we know this from Daniel, chapter 9, verse 27, that this is at the midpoint of the tribulation, the abomination of desolation. And so what we looked at earlier was in the first half of the tribulation, and this is going to be now in the second half. The one who is on the housetop must not go down or go in to get anything out of his house. The one who is in the field must not turn back to get his coat. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that it may not happen in the winter. For those days will be a time of tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now and never will. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But take heed, behold, I have told you everything in advance. Okay, so the abomination of desolation, again, is Daniel 9.27. Let me take a look at that. And he, so that he refers back to the prince who is to come and destroy the city. That would be the Antichrist. He will make a firm covenant with the many. The many is going to be the nation of Israel in unbelief. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, one week of years, seven years. But in the middle of the week, so that's at three and a half years, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. So in order for this thing, and I'm of the opinion that he's going to pull off the deal of the century and allow the Jews to build their temple and start a functioning temple with sacrifices. Um, and he'll work it out so the Muslims, you know, agree. But at three and a half years in, he will make them stop. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So he'll stop and he'll put an image of himself 
in the temple and declare himself to be God. And he'll force people to worship him. So now Luke gives another warning compared to Mark. And it it goes back uh, to Mark chapter 13, verse 2. But uh, the Luke passage is Luke 21, verse 20. And prophecy is like this. You know, it's... It's condensed in time. So Luke 21, verse 20 says, when you, and this is unique to Luke, to Luke's um, account, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave. And those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are days of vengeance, so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. So that happened. This is not the abomination of desolation. That happened when the Roman armies came and surrounded Jerusalem and put them under siege. And that was back in A.D. 70. So they're saying, the Luke passage is saying, when you see that happening, Get out of town. And what happened, and and uh, Dane has mentioned this, is that they had some problem with their supply line. They surrounded the city. There was some problem with their supply line, and they pulled back so that Jews could get out. And then they came back and destroyed the city. So if they people were listening to the Gospel of Luke, they could escape. And they did, to a place called Pella, over uh, east of the Jordan River. And they were called the traitors. They were called traitors by, I think that's mentioned in Josephus. Um, But they were the believing Jews who believed in their Messiah, and they were saved from the destruction that the Romans brought. So you want to listen to prophecy. Now, there was a person back in the intertestamental period, about 167 B.C., named Antiochus Epiphanes, who was Greek, and he prefigured the abomination of desolation. And what he did was he built an altar to Zeus, and put it on the bronze altar, and he sacrificed a pig on it. And he also made it illegal to practice Judaism in Jerusalem. And that was the Maccabean Revolt. That's where we get the the, uh, holiday of Hanukkah celebrates that, their, their win, because the Jews won that when they revolted that way. See, but the thing is, with Antiochus Epiphanes, the other parts of the prophecy were not fulfilled. So that was a partial prefigurement. But, for example, Daniel 9.26 was not fulfilled, where the Messiah was cut off. At that point, the Messiah had not yet come, in 167 B.C., when the temple was desecrated. So everything has to fit. 
prophecies to be coming to you know coming to pass. Okay, so Jesus says, when you see this, see this abomination of desolation, the one who is on the housetop must not go down or go in to get anything out of his house. So you run away, you don't go and get any goods. You just leave. It's kind of like uh, Sodom. Remember Sodom? The angel said, get out of here, get out of Dodge, don't even look back. And the wife who looked back turned into a pillar of salt is very similar to that. It says, and the one who is in the field must not turn back to get his coat. So when you see that happening, there's no time. You have to get out quickly. And then, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, but pray that it may not happen in winter. So, Lord, we do pray for that, that when it happens, it is not in winter, because we're not going to be there, but we can pray for it. <laughs> we can pray for it. But if you're a pregnant woman, or if you have a baby that you're nursing, you're going to have a hard time trying to get out of there. So we do pray that it doesn't happen in the winter. Verse 19, for those days will be a time of tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now and never will. This will be the worst time in world history to be alive. The most difficult, more difficult than the flood. Huh? More difficult than Hitler. Yeah. It'll be more difficult than Hitler. And even more difficult than the flood because the flood brought around brought on widespread death, but there wasn't widespread suffering. People just drowned, you know. They just drowned. Yeah. Here there's suffering also. The suffering is much worse here. So this is why we want to tell people about Jesus so they don't have to go through this. You know, understand me on this. Understand me. So... So then verse 20, unless the Lord has shortened those days, no life would have been saved. So there'll be a lot of death happening. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And the elect in this will be the Jewish people. Um, a lot of them will die. Two-thirds of them will die. It will be worse than the Holocaust. Um, and if he had not... if Probably if it lasted a day longer, they would all die. Uh, but he shortened it so that they wouldn't all die. Then verse 21, And then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him. Remember what Dane was talking about, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. They are going to flee to Petra in Jordan. Remember those pictures of of caves carved in the rocks, things like that. It's very protected. And they're going to come out and say, oh, the Christ is here. He's he's out here performing miracles to try to draw them out of the protected area that they're in. He says, don't listen to that. Don't believe him. Verse 22, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders. So they're going to be you know, the uh, false pr false prophet, 
will be performing miracles. The Antichrist can perform miracles in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But take heed, behold, I have told you everything in advance. So Jesus warns us what things are going to be like, so we are not fooled. Yeah, I think they could use, uh, because the, uh, the abom- you mean the abomination of desolation? Oh, I think there'll be real miracles. Yeah, you know, because the Holy Spirit will have removed his restraint on Satan. Satan is not as powerful as God, but he is very powerful. And he he can do supernatural things. He is a great deceiver, yeah. But I wonder about the abomination of desolation. I think they could do that now. They could have a a statue that would speak and talk because that's what it describes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but I do think there will be true supernatural uh, miracles going on to wow the masses, you know. So aren't you glad that Jesus tells us the future? Right. So, and remember that this is not for us. This is for those who don't turn to the Lord until after the rapture. This is for us, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, going back to one nine. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. So this wrath that we're talking about, Jesus rescues us from that. Revelation chapter 3 says he rescues us even from the time of the wrath, the time of testing. We are rescued from that. So we wait. It's interesting, too, we don't watch we just wait. Because if you watch, there's the idea of something to see. But for the church, there's nothing to see. We're waiting for that. You know, that's, and so we, we won't see it. We'll participate in it before we see it. Okay, anything else about that? Section D is Jesus gives reason for hope. Thank you. We need that now. Does somebody want to read verse 24 through 31? Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, so Jesus goes on, verse 24, but in those days after that tribulation, so at the end of the tribulation, The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. Okay, so we know these sorts of things happen more than once during that tribulation period, because remember in Revelation, the sixth seal judgment, which is early on, relatively early on, in the seven years, that sort of thing happened. That's when people were freaking out and saying, this is God doing this. 
let the rocks fall on us. I'd rather have the rocks fall on us than face God. That was early on. This is at the end. You know, after Armageddon. So it happens more than once. It'll be rocking and rolling <laughs> at that time. So these are final cosmic disturbances will bring Jesus. It says, then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And we know where Jesus goes to first. And Dane taught us this two weeks ago. He goes to rescue his people in Petra, which is in today's modern-day Jordan. And it will be very easy to see, and we will be with him. We will be coming with him, following along behind, you know. Dee -dee 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 -dee. <laughs> I don't expect we'll be expected to do much, but we'll be with him. I hope we don't have to do much. <laughs> but it'll be very exciting, I can tell you that. But he will not come in secret. There will be, you know, it's not going to be a secret. And then, verse 27, he will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. So, these are the elect are the Jews from everywhere uh, will be gathered by angels. And then these judgments will start the judgments of the living people. So now then he goes on to say, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. The fig tree apparently comes out late. So verse 29, Even so you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near right at the door. If you are in this period, and you were seeing these things happening, you can you can time it. You will know when he is coming, because it's going to be seven years from the time this peace deal is signed between Israel and the world leader. It'll be three and a half years from the time the uh, Antichrist wants people to worship him as God and puts up an image of himself in the temple. It'll be three and a half years. So you can you can know when yeah. We you can know when Jesus is coming back during that time, you know, so they have an advantage that we don't have, although as far as knowing when Jesus is coming, because we have no idea when he's coming. And then he says, and this has confused a lot of people in verse 30, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So people think, well, is this the disciples he was talking to? Well, clearly not, because they're dead and gone 2,000 years, and it hasn't happened yet. So what is your understanding of that verse? Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. What generation is going to be that applied to? Okay. Yeah, it'll be the generation that starts to see these the things happening. 
because once it it starts happening, it'll be only seven years, and the whole thing will take place. Okay, so it's not going to be people in the church age. It'll be people in the tribulation period who see, oh, there's a treaty with Israel. Oh, you know, and start to see all these things, the wars, the rumors of wars. It's going to be only seven years, and it'll be done. So that's the generation, and it's that generation of Jews that will call Jesus back. So Jesus says, and this is true about the whole Bible, verse 31, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. There are two things that are eternal. God's word is one, and people are another. Those are the only two things that are eternal. So those are what you want to spend your time on. So let me just read the last section. This is Jesus exhorts his disciples. That's 32 through 37. But of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It is like a man away on a journey who, upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. So, we want to be found serving the Lord when he comes for us. Okay, so, and we do that just by abiding in him. So, Lord, we thank you for this uh, prophecy of what is coming to pass. It's a frightening prophecy. We pray that we would use it to warn people that there is safety in you, both uh, eternally and physically, for uh, the tribulation time. So, we thank you for this warning. In Jesus' name, amen.